Welcome to Real Authors in Real Time podcast, where we explore the world of writing, publishing, and book promotion. Your host, Carmen Renee Berry, co-founder of Berry Powell Press, is a New York Times best-selling author and has been on Oprah and featured in Newsweek. She helps aspiring authors create top-quality books that transform lives. Join Carmen and her guests as they share insights and experiences in publishing and learn how to bring your message to the world. And now, Carmen. Welcome to today's podcast. We are featuring Dr. Janine McConaughey, who is the author of Trauma in the Pews, which has been very, very well received. It has received the Best Indie Book Award and the gold for the Independent Book Publishers Association. We are very excited to have you here today, Janine. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Now, the book has been doing so well. You are thinking about doing a sequel. And we're going to explore that. What happens when you want to do a second book, either to the same audience with a deeper topic or a different audience with the same topic? Uh, What is your plan? Are you going to go with a different audience or the same audience? I am going to go with a different audience. Uh, It's interesting because when I wrote Trauma in the Pews, I wrote it, uh, addressed it to ministry leaders. And I knew that the survivors of trauma would be reading it over their shoulders. And And I was right, because the greatest response has actually come from those who have survived um, all types of trauma. Um, The book was specifically about the impact of childhood trauma, but all sorts of trauma. And those are the readers and they're they're handing them to the ministry leaders. They're they're buying them and and asking their ministry leaders to read it. But it's really um, the survivors who uh, are communicating with me. Now, you said they read over your sh- their shoulder, over the shoulder of the audience. Can you explain that a little bit more? Well, uh, sometimes when you write to an audience, there are other people who are interested in the topic. And uh, those people are, in a, in a sense, reading over the shoulder because, because I didn't address it to survivors, but they are the ones who are most interested because I explained to them how trauma has impacted them. Uh, I was explaining it to ministry leaders, but those who are the ones who were impacted are started reading it over their shoulders. That makes sense. So you have a secondary audience in a sense. Your primary audience is the uh, ministry leaders, and then another audience picks up the book. And that happens quite a bit. Uh, but you have a single audience originally to, to speak to. So now you're going to be focusing on the survivors. How does that change the content of the book? Well, in this case, it's kind of interesting because when I originally came up with the concept of the book, I was trying to write to survivors. And then uh, I realized that uh, I could help them to understand trauma. I could help them to understand what what is involved in healing trauma. But uh, the when they went to church, when they went into their faith communities, the leadership that did not understand trauma would do things that would simply re-traumatize them and would stand in the way of their healing. And so 
what I'm really doing is going back and writing the book that I originally wanted to write um, to the survivors to help them to understand how how uh, spiritual practices can be involved in their healing from trauma. So the original book, give us a quick summary for people who haven't read it. It's about spiritual practices and how they can uh, be difficult to participate in for someone who's experienced trauma. Right. And the, the, the idea for the book came from an earlier book that I wrote that was a memoir. And after I wrote that, talking about my spiritual journey as an adult, uh, one of my readers from South Africa wrote me and said, no one ever told me that my struggles were not a spiritual problem. And so so when I read that, I realized that many were in that situation, that they were mistaking the impact of trauma for uh, spiritual issues. In other words, uh, the inner turmoil for conviction or the inability to practice the disciplines or the practices on a consistent basis. They were blaming that on their, you know, they just needed to try harder. They needed to, but that wasn't what it was. So what the book was intended to do was to explain to them the physical and the emotional impact of trauma and how that makes some so many things, including spiritual practices, very, very difficult for them. So the book uh, details what is trauma, uh, what uh, I'm writing the next one, so now I'm having a hard time. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I started telling you the second one. Anyway, um, I uh, it talks about what is trauma, and then it goes through um, Richard Foster's from Celebration of Discipline. It goes through his twelve disciplines, and it talks about each of those in light of trauma and how trauma impacts each of those. And then at the end. It, it talks to ministry leaders about how they can uh, actually have trauma-informed practices and uh, within their church context to help people who've been impacted by trauma. Okay, so you've written a book. It's very well-received. A secondary audience is responding to it, and so you've decided to write a second book. Now, there are some authors who start at the beginning anticipating that they're going to write two or three or four books. They're going to write a series of books on a particular topic, either to the same audience or to different audiences. What is your recommendation? Is it easier for you to plan ahead or is it, is it what you're doing now, which is, oh my gosh, more people want to know about this? Well, it's kind of funny because I am a planner. And I would have preferred to have a plan. Uh, but what happened was as my secondary audience uh, began reading over shoulders, I realized that I that I told them this is not a spiritual problem. Um, You're being impacted by trauma. And they said, what now? What what do we do about this? How how do we heal? And I did not address that in the book. And I tried to, I tried to go over and make a completely different book, but I realized that what they really needed was to see the same book through the lens of being a survivor. They needed it to, to be directly addressed to them 
and to see the spiritual practices as as a healing journey. So, um, so the title for the next one is uh, theoretically always up for change. <laughs> <laughs> is Trauma in the Pews 2.0, Healing as a Spiritual Practice. And so I realized as I was writing the first book that much of what I had done to heal was meeting the um, criteria for a spiritual practice. So I'm helping them to build their own spiritual practices that will support healing instead of working against it. So would it have been better to have a plan? Oh, that would have been lovely. But life doesn't always work out that way. So uh, I feel like this is where I needed to head. Well, it, it, yes, life does work out differently. And you don't know if you need to have a second book sometimes until the first book has an impact on people and you get feedback from people. And you've had a lot of people talk to you and attend your workshops, your online workshops, and tell you what they need. And I think it's really fantastic that you're listening to that. You're letting your audience inform you as to what they want to buy and what they need. And you are re reacting to that immediately. You're right on top of the of the wave, as I call it. Um, there's a wave that, that you can catch or you can miss. And this is a public interest of how people can uh, resolve their issues with trauma. It is a wave. And I realize that uh, for the most part, the the circles that they move in within faith communities did not have the information that they needed. It, it wasn't there. So it's not only a wave, it's finding the hole. Like what is missing? What is it that is not available to people? And so it has two purposes to, to catch the wave, which almost has to be done immediately and to find the area that is most needed. I think that's an excellent point because finding the holes in publishing is is what authors need to be able to do. They need to look at the landscape, look at the conversations that are going on and find a part of the conversation that is not being addressed. That's what's being on the cutting edge of a, of a conversation and that's what we try to do at, at Barry Powell Press. We want to be uh, at the forefront of the conversation and be able to get new books out into the hands of people that need them. And so I'm really impressed that you have identified this and that you're working directly on solving a problem that is right there in publishing. Thank you. Uh, it's it's kind of tricky to because it's formatted much the same, but with a different audience. And uh, the other thing is that I saw that the hole that I had in the first book was that I did not fully address spiritual abuse and religious trauma. That wasn't my purpose for the first book. But my audience, once again, said, we want to know more about how how this is affecting us and impacting us. And so, yes, listening to the audience. Before I publish a book, I have hundreds of conversations with people. I mean, that is a major part of my life, is just to have conversations with people to find out what they actually need instead of my assuming what they must need. And people who are listening to this might be saying, why do they keep talking about audience? Like, is that that important? Uh, new authors often want to talk to more than one audience. They want to pick two or three audiences. What is your answer to that? Is that okay to pick uh, several audiences when you're working on a book? 
Well, I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> and actually, when I turned in the first draft for Trauma in the Pews, I was talking to more than one audience. And that was part of the discussion that had to go on. And, and, uh, and it is not easy to give that up. I just want to say that right up front. You know, especially when when my all of my work has been to survivors to say, you what? You don't think this should be to the survivors? And so that is really hard. It's really hard to to do what's best, even though your heart really wants to go a different direction. Well, when you're having a conversation with somebody, just think about it in terms of practicality. If if Janine was here with me and she also had a five-year-old with her, it would change the way we talked. We would talk differently to each other. But when you have one person that you're talking with, it's a very, very clear conversation. And that's what's significant with a really uh, good book that you can read easily and know exactly who it's for. So it was a bit of a struggle and it's often a struggle. Certainly with my first books, I wanted to tell everybody everything I ever knew. And I had to learn the hard way that, no, you get to pick one person or one audience at a time. I, I also think that um, I, I'm really happy that, that my secondary audience felt honored in the book, despite the fact that I didn't address it to them. A, a comment I get very often is that they felt seen and heard and honored. So I think that even though you're not addressing it to a secondary audience, it's very important to not harm that secondary audience that you're not really addressing the book to. And that is, that's tricky. And I, I'm really happy that I was able to find that balance. That is an excellent point. Now, your book will be coming out, hopefully in the fall. And uh, how can uh, people get in touch with you that are interested in your books? I, um, <clears throat> I, I said in one pod, in one meeting, I said, just giggle my name, but that's not correct. It's <laughs> 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 going to work. So, um, and if you can spell it, so I am, I, I'm on Instagram and I'm on, I'm Twitter a little bit and I'm on Facebook and I have an author page and, um, you can always contact me through my website, which is, um, Janine.org. Um, and so um, it's pretty easy to find me. And I love to hear from people because that's how I know where I'm headed with my books. Why don't you spell your name for us? <laughs> J-A-N-Y-N-E. And McConaughey uh, is M-C-C-O-N-N-A-U-G-H-E-Y. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed this. If you like our program, send us a comment and visit us online at barrypowellpress.com.